It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. I'm glad you're listening to the 232nd episode of the Wayne's Comics Podcast, because this week is a very special one. I'm talking with Shannon Lee, the daughter of Bruce Lee, legendary martial artist, philosopher, and movie star, among other things. She's been putting together a great comic book called Bruce Lee, The Dragon Rises with Jeff Klein, the founder of Darby Pop Publishing. I get to chat with both of them about the new series and how it keeps the legacy of Mr. Lee alive. We talk about how well it did on Free Comic Book Day, about how you can access the comics, and what they have in store for us in the future. There's quite a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. I want to welcome to the podcast, Shannon Lee, an accomplished creator in her own right, but she's also doing a comic on her dad, who's Bruce Lee. How are you doing today, Shannon? I'm doing well, thanks. Good, it's good to talk with you. And working with her is Jeff Klein, who's the head of Darby Pop Publishing. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm great. Thanks, Wayne. Good. It's good to talk with you both. The way I became familiar with the book was the fact that it came out from Darby Pop through a free comic book day. And I saw a lot of people taking them, and I think a lot of people really enjoyed the book. So I think you guys are off to a great start. Why don't I start with you, Shannon, and let's talk a little bit about your dad, just in case somebody may not know who Bruce Lee is. I I can't imagine that, but you never know. There might be a couple people out there who might not know. Do you want to tell people what we should know about Bruce Lee? Sure. My experience is that people know the name and that the immediate association is one of amazing action kung fu movies and then also greatest martial arts of all time, that sort of thing. But in addition to that, my father was really sort of a warrior, poet, philosopher, and he was a very learned and innovative man who innovated all sorts of fields from movie making and media in general to fitness and martial arts and all sorts of stuff. And I really say to people that one of the big reasons that there are martial arts schools on every corner in the United States these days is because of him. Right, right, that's true. And he, of course, has a huge impact on the movie industry with all the movies he's done, involvement in television, good things like that. So the name Bruce Lee really means something. And in this age of diversity, I really think it's great that he's still remembered, even though he passed like in 1973. He's one of the people that we look to who is a great influence on our society, as you're saying. So I think that's really wonderful. For sure. Yeah, thank you. Wayne, it was also it was pretty rare for an Asian man to be a co-lead of a TV series in the Mm. 1960s as Bruce was on Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. Which I loved, by the way. I'm old enough to have watched that, and I adored that series tremendously. Batman was on. It was very silly, 
Green Hornet was on, but it was very serious in that sense. And of course, his action in there, of course, they actually had him fighting Robin, which made me laugh at one point. I just, <laughs> you know, I can't imagine, as much as I like Robin and I'm a big Batman fan, but there's no way in heaven that these people would survive, that Robin would be able to stand up against Cato, that's done by Bruce Lee. So I got a huge kick out of that. So. Now, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the comic, because Darby Pop is publishing it, and you guys, as we said, we're out on Free Comic Book Day, and it's getting a lot of good attention. I wanted to talk with you, Shannon, in bringing your father's legacy and moving it forward into today. Choosing a comic, that's an interesting choice as far as that goes. What was it about the comics industry that attracted you to doing this? Well, first of all, I grew up reading comics. My brother was a big fan of comic books, and so they were always around the house, and so I started picking them up and reading them, too. So it's a medium that I really loved as a child, and my father died in 1973, and in the wake of that, we really didn't know at the time that we were still going to be talking about him and that he would become this sort of global icon more than four decades after the fact, and I know that he's been homaged in many comic books over the years, and it's just such a great medium and it's a great way to reach people of all ages not just people who are into hardcore action movies but for me there were multiple reasons to do a comic book a because I love the medium b because I wanted to introduce my father to the new generations of today and also because there just has never been a real official Bruce Lee comic book and I've always thought that there should be one (laughs) That's great. Now, Jeff, how did Darby Pop get involved with this? Because now my understanding is you've worked on the adventures of Jackie Chan animated series and things like that. So did that experience help the company, you know, help you guys work on this project? I suspect it did. Shannon and I (laughs) were introduced by a mutual friend, actually. And it was one of those things where we started just talking and I was neither I think was sure where it was going to lead, but we discovered we had a lot of things in common and a lot of passions in common. And I don't remember if it was Shannon who floated the idea of the comic book first or me. But at that time, I think Darby Pop Publishing was about maybe a year old, maybe a year and a half, something like that. We're almost three years old now. And the idea of Darby Pop getting to do a Bruce Lee comic was incredibly exciting for for the whole company. And all I can say now looking backwards at least the first few issues, it's been such a pleasure. It really has. Now, as far as the writing goes, the two of you are doing the writing. How is that working? Shannon, do you come up with like broad ideas as to far where you want the story to go? Do you get involved in characterization? How do you and Jeff work together on this? Yeah, we work together really well. One of the reasons I wanted to do this book with Jeff and with Darby Pop is just because I really like him as a person. And of course, he has great skill and talent. But additionally, he's a pleasure to work with, which is always a plus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we work really well together. We really brainstormed a lot of the basic story ideas together. And then I took sort of a first crack at working off an outline that we had. And then he came in and Jeff is really the expert here. I have a lot of expertise when it comes to Bruce Lee, but as far as writing and producing comics, that's his world. So he really took the initial script that I wrote and moved it to the next level. And it's been just a really great collaborative effort. We have ideas. He listens to me and I listen to him. And so far, it's been really a dream collaboration. 
Great. Now, Jeff, as far as bringing it to press, you probably are the one that had to handle more of the picking of talent and stuff like that. You probably chose somebody and maybe ran that person by Shannon. Because, you know, one of the important things is the likeness, to be able to see that he looks like Bruce Lee when he's drawn that way. How did that work? Did you choose those people? Did you have people on board that you already could run past her to make that sure that that worked? Yeah, I tend to have a very small circle of trust regardless. So there were a number of people that we had worked with on other books that we liked. And actually, I think the initial thought was we would send Shannon at least three possibilities for every position. So three artists, three inkers, three letterers. But we definitely had some people that we love, like Brandon McKinney, who did the art for the Bruce Lee book. Brandon had done the whole run of Doberman for us, which is a book we published about a year prior. And he'd also been my lead board artist on the last couple of Transformers series and Jackie Chan Adventures. So I had a lot of experience with Brandon. And the same is true with... Our colorist, Zach Atkinson, and our letterer, Troy Pateri, these are people that we had worked with quite a bit, but we always gave Shannon and her team choices because it really would be presumptuous of us not to. And luckily, they have excellent taste, and we ended up getting a very strong team together. <laughs> well, I have to say, is reading the book, it's very clear art. Sometimes comic art can be a little muddled, and you're not exactly sure what's happening. But to me, I think the likenesses are terrific. I think that the action, as well as the characterization, the dramatic parts, they all are very strong. And to me, it's one of the better comics out today, I really think. I think that bringing this team together, and this being the first book that maybe all of you are involved with, I think that you guys hit a home run as far as this goes. I, I really love the book. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we worked really hard to make sure that the likeness was spot on. And that's really my realm. And Brandon did such a great job. But he was really great when I would say like, Oh, can we make his expression more like this? Or I would send him reference photos to look at. He was really great to work with as well. And I think actually Brandon will be the first to tell you that when he did his very first pass, he still had a little bit of Jackie Chan in the back of his head. Um, as did I probably when writing the script with Shannon and we had to break ourselves of that just a little bit Mm -hmm. and Shannon and her team were incredibly helpful with that obviously Mm -hmm. that's great so we gotta talk a little bit about the storyline now it's called Bruce Lee the Dragon Rises which of course the title itself leans to a notion that you have a lot of story in mind that this is just the beginning of what's going on is that the case Shannon? yeah for sure I think as you can see we're at the very beginning of the mystery in terms of why he was being held captive all these years, why he hasn't aged, why he has no memory of the past and all of these sorts of things. So we've got a lot of story to tell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is just a start. As I read the story, and of course it's a fascinating beginning to it, everything takes a very interesting turn. At the same time, I'm surprised by what happens. It's not a very predictable book in my mind. You introduced characters that we've seen before as well as characters that we have not. And Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit about that? As far as like bringing in new people, like the two younger people that are involved, they're kind of the anchors to today's world for Bruce. How did all that come about? Did you guys want to have a variation in the characters who were around Bruce? Absolutely. And, and specifically about those the two teens, Shannon was very clear at the beginning that she really wanted to do an all-ages book to appeal to a new generation, potentially, of Bruce Lee fans. And I totally embraced that concept, But you know, which means we're probably going to have kids have some important position in the story. But what you find happens a lot with that is the kids end up feeling shoehorned to just sort of a convenience. And there's not really much of a point to having them around other than to so that viewers or readers can identify with them. So we really wanted to make the kids important to the story itself. As we spitballed the idea that Bruce doesn't know who he is, doesn't know anything about his own past, 
doesn't know anything about the world of today, all the technology, et cetera, and that these kids can be a lifeline for all that sort of thing with different personalities and different strengths. It made them integral to the story rather than just an appendage. Which is great. I mean, I like the kids in here. They breathe. And not only the kids, there's an assistant manager in the local store <laughs> who is just, you know, I, I got that same reaction every time I read him in there. He's determined to protect his store no matter what. And one of the teens in the second book is in there and he's trying to find her. And <laughs> in order to protect the store, he's basically trying to destroy it, which was just one of the things that we talked about a little bit before we started to record was the fact that this book, even though it's a serious book, there are serious things going on. There's a lot of humor involved. And there's a debate going on right now in comics as, uh, are we too dark? Have we moved from actually having action and adventure into, you know, you're fighting your sister's cousin twice removed on your father's side kind of stuff. And you've got to worry about who's going to kill who and things like that. I really feel that this book is a real step forward in that way. There's good things happening. There's a lot of humor, but there's a lot of serious things going on. And we talked a little bit, and Jeff, you were saying that that was intentional. It was definitely intentional. And... Look, I think if you look at animated television right now, the pendulum has swung away from those very serious, what would be known as boys' action shows. In the past, even one of the shows I did recently, Transformers Prime, was a very serious take on Transformers. It had humor, but it was definitely a serious take on Transformers. And the most recent one, Robots in Disguise, is a much lighter show by design. And I think that that kind of pendulum swing is pretty common. When you have too much of any one thing, you get the opposite, let's say. And there's a lot of comic book stuff that takes itself very seriously. A lot of the origin stories for a lot of heroes are rooted in horrible tragedy that they can really never recover from. Death of parent, death of mate, death of whatever. And the truth is that stuff is great, but it doesn't need to be everything that's available. And we really wanted to try to counterbalance some of that because you can go obviously pretty dark with a Bruce Lee story and you want to be real and you want the emotions to be real and you want the stakes to be high. But people are funny. And when you deal with real people or realistic people, it's okay for them to have a sense of humor about themselves and the world. Well, and if I may add, Bruce Lee was funny. You know, my dad was very funny. He had a great sense of humor. And if you look at, in particular, the film Way of the Dragon that he did, which he wrote as well as directed, produced, and started, that movie is filled with humor. And to me, even though you associate Bruce Lee with like hardcore kick ass action. At the same time, his character and his story is an uplifting one. So I think overall, we wanted it to have that up feeling to it. I meant to say, too, that the book communicates that about Bruce, and I was actually going to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. You get a sense that this is his character from the way that the character acts and the way that the story is told is that, yes, he was very much into action, and he could do all these amazing things, but yet there was a lighter side to him as well, and that comes through in the story, particularly like when you get the pop culture references that he doesn't necessarily get. <laughs> and some of the fun parts are when you guys mention something that, is interpreted differently years ago in the 70s. Why are you holding that transistor radio to your head you know, at one point, they say. All those kind of things are great fun because it shows his character wasn't necessarily, even though he's in a very serious situation, even there he finds humor in things. Yeah. And I just thought that that was really a great representation of your father, and I'm glad to hear that that really does come through. Yeah, because that's who he was as a person. He loved to tell jokes. He used to tell just really horrible jokes. <laughs> 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 really bad 
jokes, but he was also a prankster. He really enjoyed pranking people and doing stuff like that. So having him approach, and by the way, even in all of his serious philosophical pursuits and endeavors in his life, he approached the world with curiosity. So that is going to be inherent in who he is here in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Got a, a lot of interesting things have happened to him in the series. He, he starts out and he's wearing a uniform of somebody, but obviously that's what he's doing to get out of where he is. He's taking this uniform on. He doesn't really have that job. And he gets out into the world, and the funny part is that people recognize him, but he doesn't know them. And it's funny to watch him actually grow in this. He's starting to understand things. Although even by the end of issue two, he's not quite up on where we are. Because let's face it, decades of time have passed and things have really moved from his understanding. But yet, the great thing about his character is he's not blown away by all this. He actually takes it all in stride, which I think is a great thing about the character of Bruce Lee in this book. And I think that that's what your father probably would have done. If he were in the same situation that you're talking about in the comics, he'd act very much like he does in the comic, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Bruce Lee was, if anything, he was resilient. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, so I agree. No, I think if he were confronted with this situation, he would immediately come from a place of, wonder and curiosity and proactiveness so that we really wanted to capture that as well he also had some life philosophies that i think wouldn't have changed over the 40 years and that's kind of what gets him through any situation he's going to go back to those things i'm sure shannon can talk to that better than i can but she touched on the fact that while for the most part a lot of people think of him just as the martial arts legend he was a really deep thinker he was a really interesting philosopher and it it's stuff that applied 40 years ago and it applies today Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my father, the interesting thing about him is he wrote hundreds of pages of philosophy and not just about martial arts, but there are people all over the world today who apply his philosophy in their daily lives. And it's the thing that as this sort of steward of my father's legacy, I really try to do is to help familiarize people with his philosophy because it can be very inspiring. I know that it inspires me on a daily basis. And so the comic book is just another great vehicle to be able to sort of subtly weave some of that philosophy in as well. Should we talk a little bit about the foundation at this point? Because there are ads in the comic about the foundation, and it goes to this point about the fact that there's inspiration to be found, that you can do more than you think you can, or your mind is the only thing that limits you. Was that important in the comic as well, Shannon? Oh, for sure. In each issue, we really try to, in a very subtle way, sort of pull little pieces of his philosophy into the story, and as he confronts certain situations, because as we've said, and as you've said, it's very much applicable to everyone's daily lives in terms of just any problems that you're facing and overcoming obstacles and being your best self and really knowing who you are and expressing yourself out in the world and all of these things. And the Bruce Lee Foundation, which is our public charity, is really all about inspiring confidence and motivating action out in the world and in ourselves as people. Now, if somebody wants to get involved in the foundation, how do they do that? They can go to our website at bruceleefoundation.org. And I will note that in a couple weeks, we are launching our next round of scholarship applications. So if there's anybody who's looking to go to college, a two-year, four-year vocational, adult reentry, whatever, we have a Bruce Lee scholarship program, and we will be taking applications starting in June. 
Very good, very good. Hope a lot of people apply. Now, Jeff, as far as the free comic book day issue, because like I said, I saw it in several places. And what's been the response to that issue that went into? Because that largely is in a lot of comic stores. So it got a, a real chance for people to pick up and get interested in the book. Did you get much response from that? We got tremendous response from that. The store pre-orders for that book were somewhere north of 80,000 copies. Wow. And we had actually already published and dropped issue number one. The Free Comic Book Day book is about half of issue number one. We did a double-sized issue number one for a regular three ninety nine cover price. So you, you got 44 pages for three ninety nine. So that Free Comic Book Day was really meant for all those people who didn't know we dropped an issue number one of Bruce Lee. They'd mm-hmm. find the Free Comic Book Day book, they'd read that, they'd hopefully want to know more, and they'd go back and they'd discover issue number one, issue number two, and issue number three that comes out in June. Mm-hmm. So it was tremendously successful for us as far as exposure. And, and quite honestly, my understanding is at the moment, Diamond is sold out of issue number one. So Oh, well, well you're going to have to do something about that. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to have to make more of those available because what sometimes people do is like when a couple of issues have come out, they'll put them together into a collection. Is that what might happen with issues one and two? You know, we always think about, at least at Darby Pop, we always think about these arcs, three, four, five issue arcs, so that people can read five issues, get some feeling of a complete story, but we leave a lot of the character stories unresolved and the emotional stuff unresolved. So Mm -hmm. we're planning to do something very similar with Bruce Lee, obviously. There'll be a self-contained something that we'll release as a trade paperback but it won't answer all the questions that we've set up in the first few issues, obviously, because our hope is that this will be an ongoing for tens or hundreds of issues. Wow. So that's why I asked you. You guys have a lot of story in mind. I did want to bring one thing up, too, though. I really liked about the fact that there's a shadowy woman who's involved in all this kind of stuff. And I have this thing about women characters in comics. I think that so often they're stereotyped. The lowest lanes, you know, all Superman come and save me kind of stuff. But to see the different ways that women function in the comic, I thought was really encouraging too. I like the fact that even a woman could be one of the people who's on the other side. A very important person in that. And then, of course, one of the kids is a girl. And so to me, to see the women getting this kind of exposure, I thought was really, really cool. And Shannon, that probably hopefully was something that that delighted you as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that's what you get when you have a woman in charge of the legacy. (laughs) 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 So uh, I'm glad that you picked up on that. And yeah, we like to give voice to everyone out there. So. Good. Now, as far as going forward, we've got issue one and issue two, and stores can reorder them, Jeff. Let's say the attorney catch up, you're saying Diamond sold out. Can they go through Darby Pop and get issues if they can't get it through there? You can. You can actually go to our website, which is DarbyPop.com, all one word, D-A-R-B-Y-P-O-P.com. You can also get issues through the Bruce Lee store. They've got some, I think maybe we'll be able to send a box or two of copies we still have to Diamond to replenish. Now, they have some actually... They're back-ordered on issue number one, so I think we're going to try to replenish them with some. But DarbyPop.com or the Bruce Lee store, we still have some of issue number one and number two left. So if you're interested, buy them before they truly are all gone. And if you can't get a hold of the paper copies, is it on Comixology as well? It is. It's on Comixology. Good, good. Because nowadays, because if I can't find a paper copy, I'll go ahead and get a digital version. So at least I can read the story, and then I'm still after the paper copy, but I know what I'm getting. As a result of that. So that's great that it's out in that way because you have to wonder what Bruce Lee would think of digital comics. That would be something. He'd think it was good because they wouldn't be cluttering up the floor of his living room like his, his son's books used to. 
<laughs> okay. Now, we got issues one and two, and we, we've gotten a way for people to get those. How is issue number three coming along? Do we have an expected date for release on that one? We do. We have a drop date of June 22nd. Okay, so it's not very far away. So that'll be good. Now, it, it, of course, they should have already put their orders in by now, but they can still let the stores know Absolutely. that they want issue number three, and then they can still try to update their orders on that. Yep. So if you haven't ordered issue number three yet, I would say get to your local store and let them know that you're interested in this issue, and probably all the ones after that would probably be a good thing. Now, you're talking about being ongoing. You're going to have, have obviously – well, let's ask. How many issues are going to be in the first arc? Right now, we're talking about either – well, the first issue is a double issue. So when we say four, we really mean five because it's right. five issues worth of So somewhere around there, maybe one issue more than that, maybe one issue less than that. But right around there, that seems to be a good – four to five issues seems to be about the right amount in our estimation for each of the separate trade paperbacks. So that's kind of what we're shooting for. But obviously, this is all dependent upon if the book continues to sell as well as it has and be received as well as it has. We can't do this – Unless the people support it. And so far, the support's been amazing, but people have to keep reading and keep buying for us to keep doing it. Well, that's the thing. You know, if you only buy one and two, you're only getting part of the story. That's exactly right. So, and by the so way, issue number three, I should say, has a pretty fantastic Steve Rude cover. Oh, so if you're wow. Fan of Steve Rude at all. You're going to. Oh, I am. Issue number three for that reason. And then the Bruce Lee store tends to have their own exclusive covers as well that are very limited. And Shannon, if I remember correctly, issue three is a contest you guys ran. Yeah, we ran a contest through social media and asked our community to submit cover art. And so for our special store exclusive cover, the art comes from a member of the Bruce Lee community. So, yeah, we're super excited. Because variant comics are a big thing now in the comics industry. And there was a book that just came out recently had five different covers. And my roommate was really into that, and we literally had to go from store to store to get all the covers. (laughs) So you guys have made it easy to get those covers, which is a good thing. So if you're a collector, and we have a lot of collectors that listen to this program, be sure to get the various covers and support it. And I think that this is only going to continue to blossom as the word gets out about how great this comic is. I think it's just a wonderful thing, and I think that you guys are helping comics move in a healthier direction by doing things the way that you are, as well as, on so many levels, this is a positive experience for us. Being able to see a person worth emulating, get some attention, and then to see how they interact, and all these other people that are around him are all really interesting people who we enjoy getting to know as well. So there's lots of action and lots of character. It's a kind of book I I think, you know, I, I have to be honest, this could be a TV show in no time, in my opinion. As my grandmother used to say, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just all wonderful stuff. So I highly recommend this book. Be sure to get to the store that you go to and order it for number three. And if you need to, go digital. But otherwise, go to these guys' websites and order your paper copies to add to your collection because it's just a great book. And we'll wrap things up by asking you guys a question. Jeff, as far as – now, you've got involvement in animation. You've done those kinds of things. As far as doing Darby Pop and things like that, how does working in animation compare to working in comics? What are the things that you like about them? Is there one you prefer or the other, or are they pretty much the same? There's definitely not one I prefer more than the other. They're very similar in some ways. Obviously, when you think about animation, you think about it in storyboard panels. And comics, you think about them in comic book panels. So there's a lot of similarity that way. Quite honestly, I started the publishing company, W. Pop Publishing, because I lived in L.A. for 25 years and produced a 1,000 episodes of animated TV 
wanted to move my family back to the East Coast and wasn't sure if I'd be able to keep working with all those people I had worked with over the last 20 years as consistently in animation. So I started the publishing company because it was a way for me to keep working with some of my favorite animators and artists like Brandon McKinney and Kirk Van Warmer and do it from 3,000 miles away from Los Angeles. So for me, the comic books have been fantastic because it has let me keep creatively be involved with people I have a tremendous respect for and meet a whole bunch of new people that I had never worked with before who I have newfound respect for. Well, you guys have put out several books that I really enjoyed. I think you guys did Sidekick. We did. We did Sidekick, which, which was actually a book we found on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Russell was raising the money to do that, and we asked him if we could get an early peek, and we just fell in love with it. And Dead Man's Party, which I also really loved. Dead Man's Party, yeah, which uh, was actually Jeff Marzik, who won a Breaking Into Comics writing contest we had done. He was the winner of that, and he wrote a script for a one-shot we did called Stingray, Indestructible Stingray. And we liked working with him so much that we ended up publishing his next book, Dead Man's Party. I love that book. That's another one that could be a wonderful movie right there. I think that was a great book. And Shannon, as far as you go, of course, on the internet question, you can always believe the internet. It says that you're an American actress, a martial artist, and a businesswoman. <laughs> Are there projects that you're – because it says you actually sing as well too, so there's very little that you don't do besides doing comics. Are there things that you're working on that we should be aware of? Wow, there are lots of things. Yeah, I've worn many hats in my day, and my main one right now is, of course, looking after the Bruce Lee legacy, but we do that, obviously, through the foundation, but also we do have many projects that are in production. We have a TV series that we're partnered with Justin Lin on, the director of the Fast and Furious franchise, and most recently, the next Star Trek film, and that's based on a treatment that my father wrote that we're hoping to get greenlit soon, and we have a couple of film projects in the works as well, so lots to come from us, and we recently also launched a tea, an iced tea product based on my father's formula that he used to drink throughout the day where he would add certain supplements to his tea, would put ginseng and royal jelly and mix it with some honey and drink that to sort of keep his energy levels smoothed out throughout the day. So we've got all sorts of things cooking that we're doing over here. (laughs) Great. And every now and again, when I get the chance to sing as well, I do that too. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. Well, that's good. Well, you guys are doing a great job on the book and it's great to hear these other good things happening. And again, I highly encourage people to get to the book. The book is called Bruce Lee, The Dragon Rises, and make sure that you support this book because it's great stuff. If you're looking for a comic that your whole family can read and can enjoy, I think that this is one of those books that should be right at the top of the list. So, Shannon and Jeff, it's good to talk with you, and keep up the great work. I can't wait to read more of these books as we go forward. Thank you so much, Wayne. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Wayne. Really appreciate it. examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man I'm flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics podcast so you can keep reading your comics 
And that's it for this week. Be back next time we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.